That's the final segment of the week. You know it. It's Mailbag Friday. Each and every week, Sat puts out a question for you on Twitter, prompting you to send us questions for the segment, and each week you oblige with many. And we appreciate that. Every single one of them we appreciate. Even the ones we can't get to, because we can't get to like over like 50, 60 questions, even more that come on our text inbox. But we appreciate every single one of them. You make our job very difficult going through them and trying to choose which ones to answer. Uh, if you're listening to the mailbag, I know this is our, one of our uh, most successful segments each and every week. We appreciate that. If you missed earlier in the show, we had Yannick Hansen joining us for his weekly segment talking about these Canucks performances against Dallas and Minnesota and how much stock to put into them after the way they finished last week's homestand with three consecutive Losses. Also, Matt DeFranks previewing the Dallas Stars matchup and Irfan Gaffar on JT Miller's next contract, Brock Besser, and a lot more. Without further ado, let's get into the mailbag sats as uh, plenty of questions have come through. JMO? We need our elevator music. Can't live without it. Got to. Uh, Dustin Meyer with this text. Can the Canucks go 12 and 4 down the stretch and will that mean they miss by 2 points or 4? <laughs> can they? Yes, will they? Different question, right? But I mean, can it happen? And you know, I kind of threw the Blue Jays analogy out and I, I hope I'm wrong, right? I hope I'm wrong cuz it'd be great, it'd be fun to kind of see them, you know, get into the postseason. But they probably dug such a big hole that if they miss, they'll just miss. You know, I could see it. You're missed by like a game. Had the Jays, you know, fixed their bullpen earlier, maybe they get in. Had the had the Canucks not, you know, what the bed for the first 26 games, maybe they get in. It's um, I, I I know inevitably when people start to feel like, hey, the playoffs are pooched. Um, it's just like tank, 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 and and yeah, I guess the Canucks could lose all of their remaining games. But that's unlikely. You know, it's basically impossible uh, to, to do that, as we know, in the NHL. I mean, look, their lottery odds aren't going to be great. That's that's just uh, the reality of the situation. So cheering on Team Tank right now, uh, not too sure about it. Like, you want to see Will Lockwood play? You want to see Jack Rathbone play? Okay, I can understand that. But, um, you know, this whole, like, lose a bunch of games to improve your lottery odds. Like, we're talking about... One or two percentage points here, Sad. Well, they're also not bad enough, yeah. right? I mean, you're not bad enough to, you know, get into the conversation, even with teams like San Jose that were better than you were earlier this season. But, like, you're not catching Seattle or Arizona or Chicago, right? Or even the Devils that came in here and you they beat you the other time, the Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Buffalo Sabres, Red Wings. I mean, I'm just naming off a bunch of teams here, right? Like, you're not even going to be a bottom 10 roster. It's not going to happen. So we're talking about very small percentage points if you miss the playoffs as far as lottery odds go. So it's completely insignificant as far as that goes. That ship has sailed. And they were never bad enough to begin with, yeah. right? I mean, I don't remember people texted in and the Canucks were so bad early. I think it was somebody called in. I forget the name of the caller, but he said the Canucks won't even win 20 games, and said this is the worst roster in NHL history. They're gonna they're gonna <laughs> compete with the Washington Capitals for like 13 wins or whatever it was, and it, it actually looked somewhat, um, uh, you know, 
at like a good bet the first 25 games of the season because people call in dunk on me how about that sad are they going to win 20 games because i said i guarantee you they're not going to win less than 30 games i promise you they're not winning fewer than 30 games it's just not going to happen it's almost impossible not to win 25 30 games in the national hockey League. what are we talking about here and that's kind of where we're at now even as bad as they were for that first 25 game stretch they had eight wins so extrapolate that over 82. If they maintained that pace, they still would have got over 25 wins set. So, yeah. It's hard not to win 30 games in the NHL. It's really hard. It's really I difficult. I mean, the Sharks have 28. The, the Ducks have 27. Like, even Chicago might get to 30. Yeah. Uh, shouts to the Detroit Red Wings of a couple of years ago. The Colorado Avalanche uh, a few years ago as well under Patrick Waugh. Uh, all right. Uh, Steve. With this text, uh, we didn't get uh, much Lockwood talk in during uh, the other segments of the show. Do you see Lockwood as a direct plug and play for Tyler Mott? That's from Steve in the mailbag. No. And I, I like Will Lockwood a lot, and I, I hope he can actualize his potential, but he's not going to step into this lineup and be an ace penalty killer right away and play the same way Tyler Mott did. I mean, it takes time to figure out the National Hockey League, and Will Lockwood can be a really good player in a couple of years, but as far as you know, plug-and-play goes, I don't think he can just plug into the lineup and all of a sudden replace everything that Mott did, especially on the penalty kill, but... He's a very promising player that has a lot of good traits and he can become that type of player over a couple of years and we'll see him play at the end of the season and he's going to impress you. He's going to get on the forecheck, he'll throw a bunch of big hits, he'll be active in the play and fans will love watching him. But to be a good penalty killer, it's hard to do, do that as a rookie. So it's going to take a little bit of time. He can, but just not right away. Look, he played two games uh, at the end of last year, but we remember those games, Sat. Those two games against Calgary, uh, while the uh, actual playoffs were like getting underway, as the Canucks tried to finish out their schedule after the long COVID pause. But you know, look, the 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 speed of the NHL is just different, and going up against NHL power plays with uh, Sidney Crosby and Geno Malkin, or in the Pacific Division, of course, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Like that's just going to hit different for a young player like Will Lockwood dealing with the speed of the puck movement and the high level ability of players like that the best players on the planet it's it's just going to be difficult and I know we get excited about prospects but I mean Lockwood probably tops out as a really solid fourth line player like that's that's what you're hoping you found here with with Will Lockwood, and I think people have to uh, have to realize that and remember that as uh, he goes through this development phase of his career, because there's not going to be a lot of goals and points. The Canucks are going to be looking for a lot of those intangibles uh, should Will Lockwood cement a spot on this roster for next season. Uh, let's uh, get back into the mailbag. Uh, Ernest, is toughness something that is lacking when teams have players like Delorier and McDermott laying big hits and poking the goalie? That was one thing about the Wild last night that was really irritating is how they would just always find a way to get a stick tap on Thatcher Demko after the, the whistle was blown. You know what? 
they did, but at the same time, I thought the Canucks last night, last night wasn't the night to point at the Canucks and say, oh, they're a soft team that can't handle it. I thought they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with yep. Minnesota last night. And Minnesota was still the, the better team a lot of the game, right? And, and the faster, more physical team, especially the second half of the game when the Canucks were clearly fatigued from, you know, back-to-back, -back, less than 24 hours. You come in almost at 4 a.m. Uh, that morning to play. So it was very clear they were, they were going to run out of gas at some point, but they battled hard. And even Oliver Ekman-Larsen, there was that play of uh, where Joel Erickson-Eck, like you mentioned, was kind of tapped. I think he tried to kick the puck, and yeah. that's where an OEL kind of went after uh, Erickson-Eck, and he was like laughing about it afterwards, and he's just like laughing at Erickson-Eck's face. And I thought the Canucks had the right attitude. They were just like, yeah, listen, we're not going to go out there and beat you guys up, but we're not going to be intimidated by you guys. Like, you're, you're going to try to scare us. We're just going to laugh at you. We're just going to push you right back. And I really liked how they responded last night. You want to see more of that? But to the bigger picture and the bigger question, of course, this team does need to get tougher. But more than anything, they need to get better and get faster. And yes, you'd love to have a little toughness alongside that as well. I uh, I like Delorier more than McDermott uh, in, in the comps that the um, uh, texter had mentioned. Every team wants a little bit more toughness. Every team wants to be heavier, um, but... I think speed is still the number one attribute that this front office wants to add to the group. Uh, if they can add players that have both of those qualities, uh, kill two birds with one stone, then I think they'd absolutely jump all over those types of opportunities. Those opportunities are hard to come by. So as much as, yes, toughness is on the agenda, I still think speed and overall team speed, getting that to a better level is what this front office is still trying to prioritize as they look uh, to do more of their heavy lifting in the offseason. Uh, back into the mailbag we go. <laughs> um, let's uh, look at this one. Info Kid, do you see a big offseason move, Besser, Miller, or Bo? Yeah, I mean, offseason move is happening. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time, and, you know, uh, they are going to make trades. This roster is not coming back intact. I push back on the notion of that having to happen at the trade deadline. But they are going to be making trades. There's no question about it. And all those big-name players, I don't see them all coming back. It's just a matter of getting the valuation. And even if you don't get the valuation, you have other ways of getting around it in the offseason. You have more options around you. And... Ultimately, that's what the Canucks are playing for here. And yeah, I, I am 100% expecting one big player to get traded this offseason, at least. Yeah, there's uh, a cap casualty coming. Who it will be, that's an interesting question. Uh, and I think a lot of it depends on, well, as you've said, Sat, how much of that depends on JT Miller? Mm, huge. And, yeah, I think he is uh, the first domino that uh, the front office is probably looking to deal with. Uh, discount Dracula. Bo is on pace for 30 goals. Does he hit $7 million on his next contract? Not in Vancouver. Yep. That's how I see it. I mean, hey, maybe he does somewhere, and God bless him. I don't see Vancouver paying him $7 million per year. M maybe they do. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, so if you're not That's my initial take. If you're not comfortable with the... Uh, asks of JT Miller and Bo Horvat this summer should you approach contract extension discussions what do you do 
I mean, listen, I don't think it's outside of the question. I know somebody texted in earlier, Buffalo Bills, like, stop with this trade stuff. It's like, we're not even talking trades. We're talking about, you know, with Earth about contracts, you know, because that players who have need contracts and what can happen this offseason as far as money goes and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's a world where both couldn't can not be back and i think ultimately it's hard for you to move two centers i think that's the biggest thing here especially if you know pedersen still can play the middle for you of course but it's hard to move two centers and i think that's kind of the sticking point here that makes it difficult for them to move both those guys this offseason but yeah i believe there is a world that exists where that can happen uh we've got jan slombor hope i'm saying that right uh apologies if i'm not jan uh, what are the chances McDonough and or Carlson join the team this season? So uh, Aiden McDonough's college season just came to an end. Uh, Northeastern losing today. So uh, he could theoretically sign with the Canucks and then join the team. But uh, the conversation uh, for a long time now with McDonough has been, will he sign with the Vancouver Canucks at? Well, that's going to be the biggest question, right? And I think it's hard to kind of get a read on his situation now because as much as, listen, this is not me trying to say the previous front office, you know, is better than what's going on now. But I think there was this thought and this relationship and this feeling that, okay, we can probably get this guy to sign. That's how they felt about it, I think. Now, as far as this front office goes, it's hard to kind of know because they're new. We don't have all the information, so to speak, as a former general Mm -hmm. manager uh, so willfully told us (laughs) on this show. Uh, But, you know, that's just the reality of it. So it's, it's hard to kind of gauge from the outside, but they do want to sign him because why wouldn't you want to sign one of your top prospects? And even if, you know, he may not be a star prospect, he's still one of the better prospects you have, which goes to t- show how much more they need to add to the system. And if you want him to sign, you have to kind of give him a carrot, right? And that carrot is, here's a, a bit of money. Here's a contract burn this year. Come and play a couple of games for us. I can see it happening with, with, with McDonough on Carlson. I don't think we're seeing him this season. I know Jeffro asked the question, do we see him play next season? So if the Canucks have their way, I don't think they're going to be promising Linus Carlson NHL time. I think what they want to do is bring him over, develop him, play him in the AHL, and turn him into a National Hockey League player and kind of go through that process that the Pittsburgh Penguins went through. Could I see him play a handful of games next season? Potentially, but I think the play with him would be bring him in and let's develop him. Yeah, and and I know he's um, you know old by prospect standards uh, already at 22 years of age. But uh, when they made the trade for Jonathan Dolan, it was always going to be a long-term project with Linus Carlson. And I think you're really impressed with how much he's developed. And even this year, he's broken the uh, rookie SHL scoring record that was set by Elias Pettersson. But you know, remember Pettersson was 18 when he did that, not. 22 so a little bit of a different circumstance but it looks like the Canucks may have a potential NHL player in Linus Carlson so um, yeah I I think development is still very much on the mind for both of those players but uh, getting them signed is the next step Uh, Ken with the Canucks four points back and Dallas having three games in hand how long until we see more Abby Canuck call-ups I don't know who else there would be to call up and and really take a look at beyond uh, Rathbone, and we know Will Lockwood has already gotten the call up. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Danila Klimovich, I don't think is, is at a position yet where he's getting called up. I think he's very much trying to figure the game out still, right? And I don't think he's there yet. Now, if you're so far out of it, he goes on a bit of a heater. Do you bring him up just for a token game and just for him to kind of see what it's like and dangle the carrot again, so to speak, right? And be like, okay... Go work harder this offseason and come back and try to earn this next year. Or like, you know, this is where what your life can kind of be like. So potentially that, the rest we're talking about, guys, this team signed as veterans, right? And that's what they had to do to try to be competitive this year. They had to do to give this team some reliable depth or at least, you know, passable depth. And it also had to be done because you didn't have a ton of other players that were ready to come up and play for you. And... That's kind of why the list of players for call-ups that are intriguing long-term ter- long is so short. Um, this one comes from uh, SN Bets, our partners and friends, who will uh, score against Dallas tomorrow, asking for a friend who bets. Everybody, uh, I- I'm guessing they just want Sat to give a prop is uh, what's happening here, Sat. Everybody That's wants Sat want. gives props. I'm going yeah, with man. Brock Besser's going to get a goal tomorrow. Ooh, I'm, I'm feeling a Besser, hot streak hey? for Besser to finish the season. Nice. I like it. Uh, I got a uh, Pedersen anytime goal for you. He's been close, hasn't scored yet, and the other guys have been on heaters. So I got a Pedersen anytime goal, and uh, my man Riccio is going with Brock Besser. Uh, Ella, do you know if management projects JT as their 1C moving forward, or is it Elias Pedersen? Oh, I'd imagine long-term is still Patterson. Yeah. I, I think, like Earth mentioned, and I've been saying this for a while, like the number that I see that could, you know, if the Canucks go high, I think that number is like 7.75, maybe 7.8, but below 8, right? And I do think there is trepidation, my guess, about going long-term. So it's like, yeah, you know, you you might give a few years, but I think that all tells you that, there is uncertainty that he's going to be the long-term number one center. He can be it for the next two or three years. I think that's possible. But long-term, I still very much believe Pedersen is being envisioned envisioned as that guy. Uh, This is an interesting question. Uh, Comes from uh, Quinn on Twitter. Do you think the Canucks should give Dickinson more time to find his groove or try to move the contract in the off season, I think if you find a, a, a hockey trade that you like, maybe you think there's a better fit out there for Jason Dickinson uh, and whatever's coming back. Cause I don't think it'll be just cap space is a better fit for your roster. I think you definitely explore that, but I think Jason Dickinson is a lot better hockey player than the player we saw this year. So, uh, I think if he were to come back, you'd see a better version of Jason Dickinson than the one we saw this season. You would hope so, right? And and I would believe so as well. And I've had people kind of mention to me or ask me, what about a buyout for him? And because he's, you know, uh, under the age of 27, and even I guess the the threshold might be even below that, he can be bought out at one-third instead of two-thirds on the contract. So if you spread out his 2.65 million cap hit, it can be... Nine nine hundred forty grand next year, then three hundred ninety one grand, then nine ninety one nine ninety one in the final two years. It's still four years on the cap, but it's less than one million on the cap. But why take the shortcut? This team has taken enough shortcuts as it is, right? And I'm with you. Find a trade if you can, 
Otherwise, bring them back next year and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, then maybe you explore the buyout the next year, and that's even cheaper for you, and it's only a couple of years. And maybe he plays better, and you can get, get rid of him. I don't think he's such a bad player and such a big drag that you have to get rid of him. If you can't find a trade, then you bring him back and see what he does. Um, let's uh, take a deep dive into the non-Canucks questions on the mailbag. Mm. Always appreciate these. Um, basketball Phil, what are you going to do with your amazing $110 gas rebate? Uh, buy gas, Phil. Buy gas. <laughs> buy Gonna gas. fill the car up, Phil. Yeah, exactly. Use it for gas. <laughs> I will say, um, you know, because the transit pass is going up too. And I gotta say, man, like especially in Vancouver, just jumping on the Canada line is so much easier. Yep. Like honestly, like life is easier just jumping on the Canada line. I know that's not you know convenient for everybody, and I know because every time we talk about it, people text in and they're like, "Well, uh, I wish I could be close to a Canada line or whatever it is." I find where I'm at much easier to jump on the line than to try to take a car somewhere yeah so yeah i'll, I'll pay for a pass for a month yeah i did recently get a, a a new set of wheels um but i like living on the canada line has been uh kind of like like it makes life really easy <laughs> to be honest with you like for transit purposes like getting around became super easy even without a car, like, you know, if you want to take weekend trips and different things like that, I mean, that's a different story. But, um, look, growing up in Toronto, um, which I know people are going to yell at me uh, for, for reminding them of this, but... I just came back from Toronto. Uh, you did. You you don't take the transit there, though, while you're, while you're doing the, the thing with Murph. Because it sucks. Toronto transit is ridiculously bad. And yes. it's... Not only that, but I think here in Vancouver, we are so lucky to have transit. And it doesn't get everywhere, but the SkyTrain and the different lines, they do really cover a large part of the city. So, um, I, I, like, I, I will say, the transit system is better than, uh, better than where I used to live. And it makes life a lot better than where I used to live. So it, it, it does make it a lot easier, right? And and honestly, it takes like they've made it so hard to drive around this city, like especially in Vancouver proper, right? And if you try to go through downtown, it takes me longer sometimes to get from where I'm at to downtown than it would take for me to drive through like three cities and get to Surrey sometimes. And I'm like, in Vancouver, not even that far. It's 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 absurd how long it takes. Then it's like the stress you're driving, how how angry you get sometimes and how late you can be and all the stuff that's going on. Construction everywhere. One way streets, can't turn here, can't turn there, can't park here. Fifteen bucks for two hours. Like, what's going on? Uh you you're right. It's uh it's crazy. Like especially with uh, some of the traffic right now. It's ridiculous getting anywhere around Broadway. Um, Mike G, who will throw more TD passes next season? Watson, Locke, or Tua? Ooh, Watson, Locke, or Tua. Uh, okay, so I'm assuming that Deshaun's going to get suspended mm -hmm. at, some at some point, right? And if it's like six or seven games, it'll be hard for him to you know get too many touchdown passes. So I know he's the easy answer based on just the talent of the player, but... I'll hedge a bit on this one. I'll say Tua. Ooh. Uh, not Drew Locke, because I don't even think Drew Locke is going to end no. up starting uh, for the Seahawks come How? It's going to be Baker Mayfield. Oh, my. 
Can we throw Baker into the conversation? <laughs> I'd say Baker. Question did not specify Baker. Uh, this one from Matt Lee, friend of the show. Why didn't we see Sat wearing a turtleneck once this week? Asking for Reach and Randeep. I told you guys, I don't dress down on TV. Ooh, savage, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> and we'll close with a controversial question. Uh, Jay Wu, rate these chocolates. Kit Kat, Snickers, Coffee Crisp, Twix, or Smarties? Uh, Smarties is last. I'm sorry. Ooh, no, I mean, smart. Yeah, I don't know. See... I'm sorry, I'm not choosing Smarties over like so what, other chocolate bars, like actual chocolate bars. Right, traditional Kit Kat though, like four bar Kit Kat or cu- chunky. Because I'm not a Kit Kat chunky guy, well, but like traditional Kit Kat. I'm actually Kit-Kat. opposite. I'm I'm more Brent really? Burns than you are. I'm a big wow. Kit Kat chunky guy. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a I mean, Twix though is a classic. Uh, I would say Twix is number one. Might be Kit Kat number two for me. Mm. Snickers three. Coffee Crisp 4, and Smarties 5. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot about Coffee No, Coffee Crisp is number one. What? Yeah. Yeah, Coffee's Crisp shot up. Man, the I'm the spro bro, and I don't even take Coffee Crisp number one. Coffee Crisp goes number one. I'm a big Coffee Crisp guy. Chris, coffee Crisp number one. Go Kit Kat 2, Twix 3, uh, Smarties 4. What was the other one? Snickers. No, sn- no, Snickers. no Snickers 4, Smarties 5. Yeah, I'm with you. Smarties just falls to five, but I do like Smarties. Smarties are only good if they're like mixed in with the trail mix, or you know, mm-hmm. or into your, you know what? That's throw a good point. throw some Smarties into your popcorn while you're watching a movie at the theater. Like that's that's an elite move. Well, and but also, Smarties on their uh, own are just not not really yeah. that exciting. And also, low key Smarties make a mess everywhere. <laughs> they do. Because like you grab hand. a handful of yeah. Smarties, especially if your hands are somewhat warm or whatever it is, or a little bit wet or whatever, like it's like color everywhere. And if you don't pay attention, next thing you know, it's like it's like what did I what did I just do? <laughs> uh, that's it for the mailbag this week. Uh, always get your questions in early and often uh, if you can, and uh, we appreciate it. Six fifty six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, you can uh, use a capital MF to tag your text. That way we're able to track it down a lot easier and keep it and try to get to it each and every Friday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This is Canuck Central.